I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 321. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Before we get started today, I want to share something new that I've been working on. I uh, I put together a 30-day music challenge. Now, the challenge is to listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you are already drawn to Christian music, and this may already be your habit. But when I was writing the emails and putting together the videos, here's who I was praying for. First of all, you, my listener, you who are already drawn to scripture through music, you who have already made such progress in your personal effort. But I wanted to create a community for you to get to know each other and encourage one another. So as part of the challenge, I put together a private Facebook group. And I can tell you, I am already blown away. People from around the world are in the group, and I just launched. And we're they're already sharing playlists and encouraging one another through uh, grief or encouraging one another through sorrow. Um, especially during this pandemic, and just sharing their story. And it's exactly what I had hoped for. Now, the other person I was praying for as I put together the challenge is the new believer. If you know the story of how this podcast came about, you know that I had a friend who got saved, and one of the first things she did was change the music she listened to. And part of my heart's desire for her was to connect the Christian music she was now listening to to Scripture, developing in her an unreasonable desire for God's Word. Now, the other person I was praying for, besides you and the new believer, was uh, the non-believer, the person who was anxious or depressed or scared or lonely during this COVID-19 pandemic and could use some God-honoring lyrics in their lives. My real prayer, that they would surrender their hearts and lives to Jesus in the process and be drawn to the truth of his word. So how can you participate in this challenge? Well, sign up at michellenizat.com forward slash 30 day challenge. Name an email and you're in. It's that easy. And a daily super, super short email with a link to a video that is normally a minute or less with a key thought, a featured song, and a link to the podcast episode featuring the song if you want to visit or revisit the podcast episodes, plus all the information that you need to join the private Facebook group. Now, I hope I'll see you over in the challenge, and I hope you'll share it with your friends. It's a really non-pushy way to encourage people. I've seen friends tag each other and as an invitation. All that is so cool. All right, so that's super exciting, but I'm ready to get into this episode. So sometimes there are phrases we hear that we assume are truth, but really aren't. Or has this happened to you? Like you've heard a common phrase and it sounds like it came from the Bible, but it really didn't come from the Bible at all. Well, a Casting Crown song, Love Moved First, reminded me of a concept that I want to make sure you understand scripturally. Bonus, the song will continue to remind you of the truth you learn in your study time. So before we dive in, let's listen. You didn't wait for me to find my 
I mentioned that we think is right, but really isn't. Well, it's when someone says they found God. Now, I know what they mean, but they're wrong. (laughs) We don't find God. If left to our own devices, we would never seek him. He draws us to himself. So when someone says they found God, they are mistaken because they weren't seeking first. Love moved first. You see, salvation belongs to the Lord. And Jesus teaches us in John chapter 6, verse 44, he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And the Greek word translated draw is helkuo, which means to drag, literally or figuratively. So clearly, this drawing is a one-sided affair. In fact, every aspect of man's salvation is from God and is entirely dependent upon God. Salvation is God-determined, God-purchased, God-applied, and God-secured. But what about those of us who have a seeking-type experience where we were looking for something and, quote-unquote, found Jesus? Well, Thomas Aquinas, a, a theologian from the Middle Ages, answered the question this way. He says, the reason we think people are seeking after God when they're not is that they are desperately and earnestly seeking for those things that only God can give them. Happiness, meaning freedom from guilt, peace, all of these benefits that accrue to those who put their faith in Christ. So from our perspective as Christians, we say they're seeking the benefits that only God can give. Therefore, they must be seeking after God. Aquinas says, no, they're not seeking after God. They want the benefits of God without God. And isn't that the dilemma? So maybe you still disagree with me, but I really want to let scripture speak for itself. In fact, let's read Jesus' statement right here in John chapter 6 in context. Now, this is my favorite Bible interaction tool exercise, reading in context. I call these exercises BITES, uh, B-I-T-E, Bible interaction tool exercise, get it? And uh, they are just my habits that I use to interact with God's word. And I really want you to read the Bible for yourself But it won't have the same impact on your life unless you interact with it. And what do I mean by that? Am I I saying study it? Well, yes, you will use some study, study skills as you interact with God's word. But interacting with God's word is more than that. It's varied and purposeful, not merely academic. It seeks first to understand what the text is saying and then what it means before seeking to understand what it means to me. And that's just what I want to do here. Let's see what John 6 actually says. Then we can seek out what it means. Finally, what it might mean to you and me and how we can apply it to our thinking and our lives. So to really read in context, go ahead and read John chapter 5 through John chapter 7. I know that we're focusing in on John chapter 6, but I always like to say read the chapter before, the chapter, and the chapter after. You'll get a a good grasp of what is going on in the life of Jesus at this time. You'll begin to see how mixed the feelings of the people that are around him are toward him. 
how grave the feelings of the leaders uh, of the Jewish leaders of the time are toward him and all that Jesus is trying to teach them. But it's at the beginning of John chapter six, where we read about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now this is 5,000 men plus women and children. So it's way more than 5,000 people. And this is the story of the five loaves and two fish. And so right after that, uh, there is a story of then Jesus walking on water, calming a storm. And then like this miraculous boat trip where like when he gets in to the boat, bam, they're automatically on the shore. It's crazy. Uh, this is where we pick up in the story. So they end up in Capernaum. In fact, the text says that the people were searching for Jesus. Quite appropriate considering what we're talking about, right? Verse 24, once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of of Jesus. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. For on him, God, the father has placed his seal of approval. Now here, Jesus reveals that they were not seeking eternal life. They were actually seeking food or just to be around Jesus because he fed them. In fact, Psalm 14 and Psalm 53 says this, um, The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away and all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Now, Paul actually quotes from this area of scripture in Romans chapter three, when he writes this verse 10, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Now, um, how did I find all of that? Well, I actually used the bite of following the cross-reference. In fact, I read in Romans chapter 3 verse uh, first because I was looking up verses about seeking God. And then I looked down at the footnote of my Bible and it referenced Psalm chapter 14 and Psalm chapter 53, which is where I discovered that Psalm 14 and 53 pretty much say the same thing. I never knew that before, but that was an interesting find. But what we see here, um, so that's a bite by the way, is just follow the cross-references. You know, do some of the work, interact with the Bible, flip some pages a little bit, okay? But what we see here is what Jesus is saying in John 6. We we don't seek God. Remember what Thomas Aquinas said, they are desperately and earnestly seeking for those things that only God can give them. And that's what the crowd was doing here. If you ask them if that's what they were seeking, I don't think they would agree with you. I don't think they would say, uh, I'm just chasing down Jesus because I need another meal per se. I think they were enthralled by the miracles and the benefit, but, but ultimately the miracles that benefited them, you know, that that's what they were seeking. But what we really don't want to miss here is the lesson that Jesus gave because he said, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you for on him. God, the father has placed his seal of approval work for food that endures to eternal life with which the son of man will give you. Now he's going to use the metaphor of food, the very thing that brought them comfort and nutrition the day before. He's going to use that metaphor to speak of spiritual things. And what word do they hone in on? Work. Because here's their next question. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works 
God requires. All right, so they're like, okay, I'm not supposed to work for food, but I'm supposed to work for, but I, but work for the thing that endures to eternal life. Okay, what am I, what am I supposed to do? What do I do? Uh, okay, Jesus, we get that it's more than food. What is this work of which you speak? What can we do in our own power to get the blessings that we seek? And Jesus answered in verse 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Ah, okay. So there is something we can do. We believe. We believe in Jesus. This is the perfect place for following the bite of completing a word study. When you're not 100% sure what a word might mean, you can use some free online study um, tools to help you. If you look up the word, um, if you look up John 6, 29 in BibleHub.com and you go to the interlinear, there's an INT button or an interlinear button, and then and you'll see it kind of spread out with with uh numbers above every word or every phrase and you click on the number 4100 that is strong's number for the word believe and it will take you to the word study page where you can discover this that it's pisteo which is uh, a word that comes from the word for faith pistis and um, from pitho which is to persuade Um, and so it's kind of like faith and persuasion all together and so to believe is used of persuading oneself it, it, it depends on the context, of course, it, and so that would be human believing. Um, and with the sacred significance of being persuaded by the Lord, which is faith believing. So only the context can tell you whether or not this, you know, pisteo, this Greek word is either self-serving or self-serving or without the secret meaning or believing that leads to or proceeds from God's embirthing of faith. But in here, we can see that this is definitely the one that is coming from God's embirthing of faith. And so this is faith. This is belief. This is trust. It's the kind of belief that leads to life change, not just acknowledging his existence. I don't say I believe in Jesus, and that doesn't mean that I just believe he existed. It means I've placed my faith in him, and I trust him, and I follow him. And then we come up upon the great setup. It's like putting a golf ball on a tee and handing Jesus a driver because they ask this, uh, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, this question cracks me up and aggravates me all at the same time. Because Jesus is the guy who just fed 5,000 men plus women and children from five loaves and two fish and then had 12 baskets of food left over. And they want a sign so that they can see it and believe in him. Ah, but don't miss it because they're still worried about the food. So the most holy and spiritual discussion of food that they could think to talk about is the manna in the wilderness. And this was literal bread from heaven that God gave the Hebrew slaves whom he rescued from Egypt to sustain them. And if you need a refresher on that story, if you don't know much about manna, just follow the cross reference to Exodus and read all about it. But what does Jesus say in response to their question in verse 32? He says, very truly, I tell you. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they say, sir, always give us this bread because they're still thinking it's food he's talking about. They're picturing manna or manna 2.0. And Jesus is manna 2.0. So Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So what is the father's will? That everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And can I stop here for a moment and say this? If you have not yet placed your faith in the Son of God, in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please don't wait any longer. Just say, I do. There's no magic prayer. You just receive, you believe it. That's all he says, right? What's your work that you're to do? believe in Jesus. So let's go back to the scripture in verse 41. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say I came down from heaven? Ah, and there we have it. They don't, they want to see it to believe it. And what they don't know is that they have to believe it to see it. Verse 43, Jesus, red letters, stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. He says it again. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Now, um, there are tangible ways in which those who are being drawn to salvation experience that drawing. Remember, love moved first. He's drawing you. If you have any semblance of desiring to follow after God, it's because God is drawing you. First, the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sinful state and your need for a Savior. Second, He awakens in us a, a previously unknown interest in spiritual things and creates a desire that was never there before. And then suddenly our ears are open, our hearts are inclined toward Him, and His Word begins to hold a new and exciting fascination for us. Our spirits begin to discern spiritual truth that never made sense to us before. And finally, we begin to have new desires. He places within us a new heart that that reaches toward him, a heart that desires to know him, that uh, desires to obey him, desires to walk in the newness of life that he has promised. And all of this to say, love moved First, God draws us, God convicts us, God awakens us, God opens our ears and pulls our hearts toward him. God reveals truth in new ways. God gives us a new heart with new desires. God gives us eternal life. He's drawing. Have you responded? Have you believed? According to Jesus, that's the work. Believe. And that belief is not just an acknowledgement as much as it is faith and trust, the kind of belief that leads to life change. But as you walk in newness of life, or as you take that first step of faith and belief in Jesus as your Savior, just remember, love moved first. And because our God of love made the first move, we're brought into right relationship with him through his son. And now it's our joy to spend the rest of our lives seeking him in return.
So what's next? We'll read John chapter 5, verse uh, five, 5 through 7, uh, and then focus in on John chapter 6, verses 24 through 70. We didn't get to all of it on the podcast today. We didn't get all the way through verse 70, but I want you to read it for yourself. I want you to consider what the people were saying, asking, and believing. Read slowly and clearly what Jesus's response is. Do the actual words of Jesus contradict anything you had previously believed? It's really important for us to know what God's word actually says. And I'm so proud of you for reading it for yourself. And so while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat. My public page on Facebook is michelle L. Nizat, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, if you haven't joined the 30-Day Music Challenge yet, I highly recommend it. You'll, you're never too late to jump in. Just submit your name and email address at michellekneezat.com forward slash 30-Day Challenge, and you're in. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank all my new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Lisa from Oklahoma, uh, Rocio from New Jersey, Donna from Louisiana, Barry from the UK, Lori from the US, Debbie from Louisiana, Kay from Montana, and Mandy from Alberta, Canada. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You'll also get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the extra resources that I create for my episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Well, this encourages me, of course, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneezat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, or you can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using See a Victory by Elevation Worship to lead us to scripture. Now, if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 321. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.